You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show, and I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here today. And a lot to talk about over the weekend. Uh, We did not have a show on Friday, as you might have been aware uh, we had some unforeseen circumstances go on here, uh, and uh, everything's good to go now. And uh, we have a lot to recap. We got to recap Auburn, Tennessee, uh, a lot going on in the sports world as far as college basketball. I think I counted 15 of the top 25 ended up losing last week. Uh, we'll update you that on that. Get you start getting you set for Auburn and Texas A&M. Uh, also, Auburn very busy in the recruiting trail. We'll tell you about that. Uh, and a lot of Auburn news to go over. And now it's Super Bowl week, and we'll have to start uh, breaking down the Super Bowl here in a little bit. And uh, a lot to do here on the Monday edition of Sports Call. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Cam. Uh, we'll start with you, Tom. Hope you had a great weekend. Good to see you, sir. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Uh, just busy with work and trying to keep track of everything going on in the sports world. And it, it was a busy one for Auburn. There was a lot of good and a lot of bad uh throughout so depending on if you're a half glass full or half glass empty type person uh is kind of how you walked away from this weekend of auburn sports let me go ahead and get this out of the way because it's going to be talked about yes wendell green was fouled at the end of the tennessee game (laughs) yes that was a foul that should have been called wendell green should have been at the line shooting three however auburn just did not do enough to win that game and that's the biggest takeaway. That Yeah, like I said, sure, it's a foul. But you also shot three of 27 from three. Yeah. You're not going to win many ball games doing that. I don't care whether they're fouling you or not. So go ahead and get that out of the way because I know that's going to be the thing. I can't believe these referees. Yeah, I get it. But Auburn didn't do anything. Uh, the Auburn did not take advantage of what they could to have won a game that they played great defense. Because Tennessee, and pull theirs up, Tennessee, 2 of 21 for 3. And only 17 of 63. They were 27% from the field. And then just 2 of 21 from 3. Auburn did great on the defensive side. And Tennessee struggled to knock down shots. However, Auburn just could not buy a bucket. And that's what that's what ultimately cost Auburn that game. So anyway, get that out of the way. But some other good stuff. Suni Lee had a, a, a great meet against Alabama with a pair of tens. Um, uh, women's basketball, uh, another r- a rough one there. Um, rallied back and and got to where they could win, and then just uh, couldn't knock down some free throws that they needed to. So that one stung. But then on the recruiting trail, uh, you get a big time quarterback commit. You get uh, yeah. 
you you get two big time basketball commits that are going to hopefully help with some of this just <laughs> god awful shooting. You're hoping that some of these guards in that they're bringing in will be some shooters here in a couple of years because gracious, they they need something right now. But other than that, yeah, good weekend. Ready to talk all about it. And then Cam Barry on the show with us on a Monday this time. Cam, how are you doing? How, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was good. Great weekend. Uh, just enjoyed. Um, I went to a wedding on Saturday, a great, beautiful ceremony, and um, enjoyed that. And um, <laughs> was kind of watching like the tail end of the game, kind of right before the wedding started, and uh, how that went down. Um, but yeah, it, just a, a rough game for for. A lot of Auburn sports, when you think about it, uh, over the weekend, a rough, rough match um, with gymnastics and then women's basketball, and it seems like Auburn's kind of had it, got a, got a thing with uh, judges and referees this weekend. It just kind of be like that sometimes, but yeah, the the men's basketball team they didn't shoot well. That, I mean, that's really just what it is. I mean, you shoot twenty three percent from the field. Uh, I mean, that's just unacceptable. You you can't do that and expect to win basketball games. And they were in it at the last second, you know. And, yes, that was a foul. Wendell Green did get fouled. Um, they didn't call it. Refs kind of swallowed their whistles. It's rough, and you hate to, to see it. Um, but that's just kind of how it happens at the end of the game. Um, they, they tend not to make those kind of calls unless they are absolutely forced to. You'd think in that situation they would have been, um, but uh, they, the environment, as Bruce Pearl said, um, we were not inf- affected by the environment, um, and he doubled down on that, uh, kind of insinuating that the refs were the ones that were affected by the environment. Uh, excited to talk about the Super Bowl, though. Uh, great matchup. And again, you know, Jalen Hurts um, and Patrick Mahomes, first two black quarterbacks to be facing against each other in the Super Bowl. So excited to um, break that down as, as the week goes on. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Also, I uh, had a, a couple of coordinator hires for Alabama over the weekend. Oh, yeah. uh, had an exhibition race for NASCAR last night in the Vegas, Col- or the Vegas, in the LA Coliseum. Uh, and uh, sports world uh, ever active as always. Big trade in the NBA. I mean, always uh, a, a lot of stuff to talk about. My weekend, uh, I did go to Knoxville and uh, with uh, Brooks Childers and others for Brooks's bachelor trip. We'll talk a little bit about shenanigans or or, <laughs> or things uh, later in the week when Brooks is on. But uh, we were at that game and sounds like a wacky Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, things did not get too wacky. Oh, okay. I do digress. Um, I did enjoy a few beverages, but uh, Brooks uh, Brooks was not as uh, big into that, and that is a okay. Uh, but we uh, we did have a good time in Knoxville, and uh, we were at the game in Thompson Bowling Arena. That place is large. Uh, that place, a couple of non basketball related things. That place has some really great concession stands. Might I might I say they have a uh, most Southwest in there. They have a, a place that's like. Uh, a local chili and chips place. Uh, they had Papa John's. They had Texas Roadhouse Peanuts. They had uh, another local restaurant that had a uh, was a vendor in there. Uh, so good time with the food <laughs> and beverage inside of Thompson Bowling Arena. And uh, that place, like I said, very large. First time being there, about twenty one thousand seats or so. And uh, we were we were up in the uh, baseline upper deck. And uh, we live did not, were not 100% sure 
if it was a foul and we, we, we left walking or we walked out of there and said, we really hope when we look at this replay that it is not not a foul and that there's no no reason to be that mad and that sort of thing. And there was reason to be upset. <laughs> <It> <laughs> yeah, was, absolutely. Uh, we, we know that Wendell had been fouled shooting a three early in the game. We know he got called for a flop. Uh, shooting a three which you you don't get that very often usually the flops come on like the block charge stuff when right. people exaggerate that contact and as we start to turn the page to breaking down this basketball game uh, that I, I wonder if that flop that was called earlier played into the minds yeah, of the referee probably. there and, yep. and we all know that that contact exaggeration happens but that landing space incident uh, on that particular call, you know that call was made just three minutes prior when Santiago Vescovi yes, yes. had mm. had a four point play where there was right. a landing space issue, and, and so that part of it was very disheartening. Again, what Tom already mentioned, uh, I would echo the same thing. Uh, that is not the reason Auburn lost the basketball game. Uh, however, it goes back into what my best and worst of the weekend was last week, of which we will have. Uh, towards the end of this program today uh, that just the reality is human being referees are human beings just like us they are going to make mistakes we just pray that they are not game changing or game altering mistakes right uh and, and influencing calls and unfortunately in this situation there should have been an opportunity to go shoot three free throws to try and tie the game and force overtime and and that poor call led to that not happening so that was very frustrating, uh, certainly to look at that a little bit closer after the fact and see the replays and, and hear the broadcasters talk about, uh, I believe it was Robbie Hummel, a former Purdue player that was the color analyst for that game, say that was absolutely a foul and yeah. we could go down the line there. Well, let's talk about the game, though, as a as a whole. And, of course, if you guys want more comments on the, uh, on the officiating as well. But uh, offensively challenged, great defense from both sides. Uh, appreciated the effort from Auburn because even when that Vescovy three went in, that could have been the end of things because, honestly, a four- or five-point game, and that game felt like a double-digit lead the way those offenses were. I mean, literally, if you got a five-point lead in that game, you said, this is going to take three or four minutes to dig out of uh, the way that game was played. Uh, but, 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 guys, how do you balance something that was so poor? When you look at Auburn, something so poor offensively, with something was so good defensively, how do you balance that in your mind of judging this Auburn team in a road environment with a chance to tie or win in the last couple of minutes of that game, but ultimately yeah. losing a very low scoring game? I, I mean, I, I still just see it as as frustration, uh, and I guess my frustration is because we've known that this is just not a good offensive basketball team, and it really reared its head in this one against Tennessee. And that's what's so frustrating is you probably had – I don't even want to say probably. I, that was the best defensive effort. Yeah. When, when you consider how good Tennessee has been playing and, you, and you're on the road in that environment with 21,000 folks in there watching that and you play one of the best defensive ball games that you can and you hold Tennessee to the paltry shooting they did and, and you do what you do on defense – that just makes it even more frustrating, the fact that you just can't shoot the daggum ball. And, and, I mean, that's my takeaway. Yeah. You just don't have any offense. When, when you need it the most, you just don't have anybody that you can rely on to hit a bucket for you. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, I, I kind of like what you were saying, you know, with, with uh, Wendell Green in that last call. 
did the flop affect it? Sure, I think it did because I honestly think in probably in that official's head that was sitting there watching that, he knew exactly what Wendell was going to do. He's going to jump. He's going to try to jump into the defender, and he's going to go flopping down on the floor to try to draw the foul. I know that's exactly what he's going to do. I'm not going to let him get away with it. I'm not going to – you know, now if the defender does something, which he did, the defender's arms were going towards him, and he got into the he got into the box basically to where Wendell didn't have anywhere to, to go. But I think in that official's head is he knew exactly what Wendell Green was going to do. and You think his mind was already made up? His mind was already made up. He is going to jump into the defender and flop on the ground like he has been doing. And, damn it, I'm not going to call it. I'm not going to let him. Di- I'm not going to let him dictate what I see. Well, then, because of that, you didn't actually watch the defender get into the space. Yeah. So, whatever. Um, but the big takeaway is, I mean, goodness gracious, where what in the world happened to Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams? I mean, Flanagan, 3 of 11, 1 of 6 from 3. Jalen Williams, who had been playing pretty well, 1 of 10 from the field, 0 for 4 yeah. from 3. Uh, I mean, goodness gracious, guys. You've got to have some sort of production out of that. That Out of those two guys, you got to have something. You know, uh, Jani Broom didn't have his best game, obviously, yeah, even though he was at 11 points. He I mean, had the five best 13, game he had the, he had the best game of everybody. Wendell Green, only 2 of 10 from the field, 2 of 9 from – from three but you know you Wendell Green we know Wendell Green he can be a shooter but he's not the guy that you would think you need to rely on Jalen Williams and Alan Flanagan are the two guys that need to be your scores those have got to be your guys that can go from outside to in and can do a lot of a multitude of different things and when those guys you know are a combined what four of 21 from the field I mean that's just silly that's right. d- that's just dumb. Yeah, to be to have two guys like that that you know you can rely on to be really good scorers to just be that. That's frustrating. Yeah, and uh, and Auburn's got to be better than that on the offensive side. They just have to. Now, I know Tennessee is a great defensive team. That was one thing that we talked about previewing this game is that scoring was going to come at a premium because Tennessee is just that darn good on the defensive side of things. They they have one of the best defensive basketball teams in the entire country. But you're still better that you can still produce better than that against that defense. I mean, they're they're good, but they're not that good. And a lot of these missed shots were wide open shots where right. you did the things that you needed to do to get the open look and then you just couldn't you just couldn't make the shots. And that's that's just it's so frustrating with this team how poorly they shoot the ball a lot of the times. Yeah, definitely, definitely frustrating. Uh, my takeaway from this game is that defense travels. Um, if anything, you can you can say that defense travels, um, and playing a good pedigree of defense can keep you in games as it did for Auburn in this one. Um, obviously Tennessee didn't shoot the ball well, but I will say that Auburn, Auburn did play good defense. They, they played, uh, about as well defense as you, as you really could, um, given the circumstance of how the game was being refereed as a whole. Um, I feel as though, again, the referees kind of switched up from the first half and the second half of how they were calling the game because of the beginning of the first half. And as the game went on, they kind of let, I mean, they let, 
it, it wasn't really an evenly called game, if I'm being 100% honest. I'm not saying, obviously, Auburn did not shoot the ball well. I know that's a fact. We can look at the stats. We can look at how the game played out and know that Auburn did not shoot the ball well whatsoever. It was not opportunistic in how they, how they could have really taken this game from Tennessee. Um, but the refereeing was just not great. It was not consistent. And I think we talk about that a lot as well. I mean, across the NCAA um, in basketball, it's just not consistent whatsoever um, in how they're calling games. I feel like sometimes referees get affected by the environment. And and I'm not saying that. I mean, that happens in Neville Arena as well. I'm not saying that it doesn't. It, it's just overall, you got to call a game how you see it and not how you feel about it. Um, I, I think that that kind of played a part into how, how Auburn um, – how their shot selection went at, at down the stretch overall. Um, I was telling you this, Tom, you know, before the show started, I felt like Auburn was kind of forced into taking these 27 threes because of how, how the defense was and how the refs weren't really calling anything on the inside, uh, on the interior for, I mean, for Auburn as a whole, but for anybody in general. Uh, so it, it was it was tough to really get anything on the inside, and Janai I felt like was getting hacked a lot. Um, didn't get a lot of of the you know the fouls that he gets with the contact, and I felt like he played a strong game. I feel like Janai had a really solid game. I know you know five for thirteen isn't amazing, but I, I mean I'll take that um, given who he's going up against. You know Kamwa and and um, um, Plavsic, you know, going going up against those two guys, um, that's not exactly an easy matchup, I'll say. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you though. When, if you're you're looking at Alan Flanagan, you're looking at at Jalen Williams. I think this was easily Jalen Williams' worst game uh, of the season in terms of at least shooting wise. You know, he had nine rebounds and and that that's really about it. You can really look at it. I mean, one for ten, you, you just can't have that. Um, you, you needed him to make some threes, and he was open for a, a few of those. So you, you got to at least get hit two of those if you're if you're Jalen Williams. And, and if you do hit two, that probably changes the entirety of the game. So it, it's just a lot that, that goes into it and probably a lot that was kind of affecting them. I think the refs affected them more than the environment affected Auburn, um, and it ended up being a tough situation. Katie Johnson had a solid game, I will say. Um, you know, he didn't necessarily – Six, of eight, from, yeah, six I mean, of eight from the line. He got to the line that but he played the way his style of play was perfect for how the game was being refereed if that makes sense the way that he will drive to the hoop with uh, you know almost no control whatsoever but still he's getting in there he's drawing the contact he's forcing the referees to call the foul and getting him to the line that's how that's really his style of play is kind of what helped Auburn down the stretch a little bit to stay in this game. So I, I, it's frustrating. And if you're looking at Zeb Jasper as well, you know he's just a non-factor on the offensive side of the ball. Um, he, you know he just took one shot and it was yeah. a three. That was it. I mean that that was it. And you you feel like he can make some shots. He's just not aggressive. He's just not. Um, obviously he's in there for defense, and he does play really good defense. I mean held. Um, Zakai Ziegler only had three points in the entire game, 0 for 10 from the field. That is great. I, I, he and he and Wendell both did a great job on Zakai Ziegler, and um, and Vescovy only had seven points. So I, I will say that those two holding those two guards who are you know very good and very dynamic to that low of scoring was formidable um, for Auburn. And you know the only one that really went 
and had a solid game was Josiah James. Um, and that's that's Jalen Williams' assignment. Um, I want to say maybe a little bit of Flanagan, maybe a little bit of Broom, um, but still um, he had a, he had his uh, he had a solid game. So other than that, I mean Auburn did I mean very very good defensively. So my uh, uh, to close, my takeaway is that defense travels. If you can just knock down some shots, if you can just get to where you're feeling comfortable knocking down some shots, you can be in games because that defense is going to travel. Yeah. I, the only thing I'm I was going to add. Uh, and, and this is where I can I, I'm critical of Bruce Pearl and the staff. Is I get it, it, you know, if their defense is doing something that is taking away what you're trying to do, what your mindset you're starting out that you want to do, and they're taking that away on the inside and they're forcing you to do something different. You know, as a coach and as a staff, you know this team cannot shoot the threes very well. You know that's the last thing that we need to do is find ourselves in a position where we're having to shoot 27 three-pointers. That's where you make your paycheck. That's where you cut, that's where you earn these big bucks that the that the university is paying you is you scheme something to to isolate one of those guys or to do something. Yeah, I mean, you're smart enough to figure out something that you can play the chess game and get away from that defense and and do something that maybe confuse them and can work the ball better on the inside. And I don't feel like that happened. It, it just it it feels like this team wants to go to the inside, but as soon as it's not there, then we're just going to shoot thirty three pointers and hope to goodness that some of them land. And, and I don't like that philosophy. You've got to be able to figure something out to to uh, diagnose what's going on and to take that away, and not just you know kind of live and die by one of the other. For this Auburn team, really no metric offensively was good. However, the one thing. Uh, that that was a little better was actually free throw shooting 14 of 19 74 percent uh 74 percent for a college team is is going to be good every pretty much every single time i'll take that tennessee was actually far worse 10 of 17 from the line but offensively um really just auburn did not do anything well in terms of, of making shots i i thought that they got in some decent post positions early uh, that they did get out to a 10-2 or 10-4 start, uh, getting a few hook shots in. I think Jalen Williams' one field goal was early. Janai Broom had a couple field goals early. But ultimately, Auburn, I mean, even inside the line, obviously 3 of 27, terrible. But they were only 10 of 28 from 2. That's only 35 or so percent from 2. So even when they got in there, heavily contested shots, not capitalizing around the rim, and... You know, I thought they got that. I don't think, honestly, when I judge this, I don't think that the the problem here was was overwhelmingly bad shot quality. Uh, I thought that they had some decent quality of looks. Yes, they took oh, yeah. maybe about ten too many threes, but I didn't think that predominantly those were terrible jack up threes, unless unless they were late shot clock, obviously, but. I felt that they were just a victim of a a great defense, but b just missing some some makeable shots at the end of the day, sure. and that goes back into uh, this team just not being an overall good offensive team because Tennessee did some great things clearly defense, and they lead the NCAA as we talked about in opponent field goal percentage around thirty five percent, and now now probably down lower than that. But still, it's 35%, and Auburn shot 23%, 24%. In this day and age, there's not a defense out there 
that's capable of holding a decent offensive team to 23%. And really, even a, a poor offensive team. I mean, it, some of that is what you did wrong. And yes, took a few too many threes. But also, I mean, at some point, they've got to make some things. And they didn't. And like I said, I, they ran some action, some cross action, where they were able to get guys the ball on the elbow. They were able to get guys just outside the block the ball uh, when they were getting inside the three-point line. And they really just could not find a way to make a shot or make one more pass from that spot uh, to, to get a real crisp, crisp open look. And fortunately for them, they're not going to – well, they will see Tennessee one more time. But other than that, they're not going to see a team – as good as Tennessee defensively, because there's not any. Tennessee's yeah. statistically is the best the best in the country. But nevertheless, I mean, this is two outputs now this year in close games. Well, they still won one of these. Where just some of the worst offense you can have in major college basketball. The Northwestern game still exists. And I know yeah. Northwestern's a tournament team after all, but that does not make it okay to score 40-something points because no. it's not against anybody. We're not running four corners anymore. But uh, this still demonstrates that there's a certain level that this offense just cannot reach, whether it's maybe keeping up with a team in a high-scoring game or fighting through truly good defense because it goes back to not one guy on this team can make tough shot after tough shot. Sure, sure. if you shoot 50 tough shots, Wendell will hit a 30-footer, Flanagan will hit a fadeaway three, Jalen Green will hit one through a double team, broom, et cetera, whatever. But they're not the type of tough shots that they can make them every game or make multiple in a game. And against Tennessee, you just needed someone to make three or four yeah. tough shots and no one could hit more than one. And thus, like literally, no one could hit more than one. Yeah. Nope. And, and, and this is what you you ended up with. You ended up with 43 points. And it's it's so hard to for me to go one way or the other on a game like this because that's why I asked you guys where you stood because on one hand I mean you went into Knoxville Tennessee scored forty six points you, they did absolutely nothing like you did on offense and you went into a road environment and clearly were not bothered you didn't just completely turn over right. the ball all over the place sure. you, you you didn't look like you were phased by a road environment at all. But on the same instance, you did all these things right on one side of the ball. And if you had done just one thing right, if you had converted a few layups, if you got a few offense rebounds, if you hit a couple threes, you know, if, if, if you do anything else better, they win the game and they don't. And so it's hard to say this was all bad or all good because the result was not good, but some of the things about it were good. Yeah. Just a tough one overall. Well, that's why – you know exactly what you said and that's why i said that my takeaway is frustration is because you saw a defensive effort and you saw a lot of the little things and and not getting uh bothered by the environment you you did so many things right to get a win on the road against one of the top ranked teams in the entire country and you just you needed somebody to hit one or two more shots and you just couldn't just could not just get it bad offensive basketball team we need to take our first break of the show today. When we come back, James from Montgomery will join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Stay tuned. More of this Monday edition of Sports Hall coming up after the break. Do you 
want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Sports Call. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here. And again, first show of the week. Did not have a show on Friday, and we apologize for the last second cancellation there. We'll go ahead and tell you that for the rest of February, unless there are rainouts, there will not be a sports call on Friday in the month of February. Auburn softball will be on Tiger 95.9 during. All of those days, they've got double headers starting this Friday in Clearwater, and uh, we're excited for another season of, of Mickey Dean's program and Auburn softball. So again, uh, we did not anticipate not having a show this past Friday, but we do anticipate that there will be no show on uh, on each of the next three or four Fridays. So again, stay tuned with that, and uh, don't forget about that. So four days a week for us for a little while. Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one tiger 9 First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins the program. James, how are you doing? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. <clears throat> yeah, because over the week, um, well, yesterday I was actually watching the clash of uh, uh, champions from NASCAR and um, it was an exhibition race. So I was seeing... Uh, some great uh, guys that are, you know, that are going to put their names into into the uh, NASCAR playoff spot as well. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to watch yesterday. There was a lot of racing at the L.A. Coliseum and uh, watched the main event, certainly at night, the 150-lap feature. And uh, a lot of cars on that small track, a lot of beating and banging, but it was a, a good way to start. It looked like a good crowd. And uh, certainly enjoyed that. And, and, again, the Daytona 500 coming up in 13 days. So definitely looking forward to a new season of NASCAR. Yes, as well, because in 13 days I will be watching the Daytona 500 from uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. And this will be actually my first time this year in 2023 of uh, watching um, history being made once again. And I'm actually – this is one of the uh, – Best, this is like one of the best tracks ever on my uh, NASCAR calendar schedule. And once it once it comes on on February the 19th, I'm actually going to just, you know, get to see a lot of history being made in Daytona Beach, Florida as well. Yeah, obviously the, the Great American Race and uh, the, the most famous race in NASCAR, the Daytona 500, is, is the first one. And uh, definitely looking forward to that. Big couple weekends for Fox, too. Fox has the, the Super Bowl on this Sunday, and then they've got the Daytona 500 the next Sunday. Uh, so big month, as always, for Fox, especially when they get the, the Super Bowl. But, yeah, looking forward to uh, these next couple weekends. Yes, as well. And then with the Super Bowl, uh, you know, counting down, I've um, last week, uh, which it was yesterday, um, I was watching Super Bowl highlights of uh, different Super Bowl games that were being played in uh, different uh, Super Bowl locations as well. I've seen uh, Tom Brady play his last game against uh, against the Los Angeles Rams, and that was one of uh, my favorite Super Bowl moments 
between, uh, you know, a young Tom Brady playing with the New England Patriots and uh, winning that Super Bowl as well. And then I I saw the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers playing Super Bowl one, and that was one of the most iconic Super Bowl history uh, highlight uh, highlights of of that era of seeing, um, you know, the first time seeing uh, a young Kansas City Chiefs uh, team as well, and uh, seeing Bart Starr um, playing with the uh, Green Bay Packers as well. Do you have a favorite Super Bowl? Um, I will actually have to say yes. I do have a favorite Super Bowl. I will have to say it would be the Super Bowl that was being played in Glendale, Arizona between the Arizona Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that was one of my favorite favorite Super Bowls of all time with Jerome Bettis and um and Ben Roethlisberger as well. Those those were uh, the two great people of, of that uh Super Bowl as well. I got you. Yeah, that one was not played in Glendale because that's the home of the Arizona Cardinals, but uh, I believe that one was played in Tampa, and uh, that certainly was a classic game when you had the San Antonio Holmes touchdown in the corner there to take a late lead. Uh, you, you had a, a very close matchup there between Kurt Warner and Ben Roethlisberger, and, and yeah, it was a, a very one one of the the best Super Bowls of all time, given how clutch uh, that last drive by Pittsburgh was. Yes, as well, because I remember that was my first time ever watching the Super Bowl, and that was my first time ever being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan of the NFL. And once the Pittsburgh Steelers um, won that Super Bowl, I just, you know, parted ways from, you know, the Steel Curtains uh, fan base, and I just took myself and went off into, you know, greener pastures as well. And then I had to become a Dallas Cowboys fan when uh, Tony Romo actually came in into into focus as well. So so you left the Steelers fandom after they won a Super Bowl. Now, does that mean if Dallas wins a Super Bowl that you're going to leave the Cowboys and go to a new team? Um, no, I will stay with the Cowboys as long as I can because I'm going to be a Cowboys fan for a long, long, long time as well. And I've had um, so many great memories with the Cowboys over over time since I was a little kid. Seeing uh, you know, seeing a lot of great uh, legendary Cowboy um, players uh, in the Ring of Honor, like Drew Pearson, uh, Michael Irvin, uh, Deion Sanders, and and many many other uh, great uh, legendary Cowboy legends as, as well. I got you. I got you. I was just curious because most most people don't uh, go to a new team after after winning the Super Bowl. Go to a, a new fandom. So uh, that was uh, kind of an interesting decision. But uh, you've been a Cowboys fan for a while, and you're going to keep being a Cowboys fan. Yes, as well. And um, you know, a lot of people always ask me. You know, I've I had um, I've got like uh, Cowboys jackets that I wear. I got a Cowboys T-shirt that I actually wear from time to time, and then um, I have the Tony Romo uh, jersey that's um, in my closet right now. That's catching a lot of dust right now. Oh, I got you. <laughs> I haven't worn that in a while. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it's been, you know, you know, it, it, it still has it. It still has some moments in it as well. So it, it's it's seen better days. I got you. You got to save it for a special occasion in the future. 
Yes, as well. So I would um, probably pass it down to maybe, you know, if I have children one day, I'll probably pass it down to them as well. That would be a good idea. Well, James, what do you think about that Auburn-Tennessee game on Saturday? Um, I actually did catch that game on Saturday, and I saw uh, Janiah Broom and uh, seeing if he's con- if he can actually, you know, make some good shots. But on on the first half of the game, it was okay. I thought we were going to have the first quarter to ourselves, but in the second quarter of the game, it, we just fell. We we didn't even have enough gas in the tank as well. Yeah, Auburn in the second half uh, definitely had trouble scoring. To be fair, they had trouble really scoring throughout the game. It was a close one at halftime and close one throughout. But Auburn, really, or Tennessee for that matter, could get much going offensively. Yes, as well. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably see how Auburn um, will bounce back from this loss from Tennessee to actually see uh, if we're going to win on the road in College Station against Texas A&M. And, I, I mean, over the weekend I did see uh, Texas A&M, and they really did not look like the Texas A&M basketball team that I saw uh, two years ago when we played them. So I think this would be um, a really good chance for Auburn to actually step up and, and prove themselves, um, you know, worthy of, of beating the Texas A&M Aggies as well. Yeah, Texas A&M was able to beat Georgia much the way Auburn did uh, this past week, 82-57 of the weekend. That will definitely be a tough one uh, for Auburn coming up in College Station tomorrow. Well, what else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be watching Duke and Miami, and I think Duke would have a great chance of winning on the road in Miami, and I probably see this game as going to be a, it's going to be a really good game as well, and seeing if um, if – if Duke would actually prove themselves that they're going to be uh, March Madness, um, you know, contenders as well. Well, I'm sure JJ would be very happy that you were picking his uh, Duke Blue Devils there against number uh, 19 Miami tonight. That should be a good one. Yes, as well because I know, um, you know, it, it's his team, so that's why I actually picked it as well. And if if they actually win, I'll uh, send him a, a a message telling telling J.J. that his team actually won. Oh, that sounds great. I'm sure he would appreciate that. Yes, as well. And then I have some uh, great uh, classic games I'm going to be watching for, um, you know, for the month of February. I'm actually going to be watching four games tonight. Um, The last game would be Alabama State and Jacksonville's uh, Southern Jaguar. So um, Alabama State, they're going to look like a Alabama State uh, team. I'm actually hoping that they're going to win the SWAC tournament this coming up uh, year as well. Yeah, obviously each uh, each conference champion gets in the NCAA tournament, so it's always a a big deal to win that. Well, James, uh, anything else on your mind before we let you go? Well, with the Super Bowl right around the corner this coming up Sunday, I have a big uh, Super Bowl prediction. If I can get a drum roll for this one. Oh wow! I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get ready here uh, for a drum roll. Uh, Tom may give you one here. Or uh, hang on, let's uh, let's try and find this sound for you real quick. Uh, okay. Uh, well, here we go. This here we go. What you got? And this Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57 prediction will actually be the Philadelphia Eagles 48 to the Kansas City Chiefs 20. 
All right, 48-20, to 20, high-scoring game. Bit of a blowout there, too. Yes, as well. And on top of that um, blowout score, I actually have Jalen Hurts winning MVP for the first time in Philadelphia Eagles history as well. All right, I got you. So you got Jalen Hurts as a Super Bowl MVP as well. Yes, as well. And it's going to be a great, great halftime show with uh, Grammy Award-winning artist Rihanna doing the great halftime show for the first time ever. It's been years that I've seen Rihanna actually perform in the Super Bowl halftime show as well. Yeah, I don't recall her performing uh, before in the Super Bowl halftime show, so uh, it'll be very interesting. And she's not uh, she's not done a whole lot on tour in a while. It feels like so. Uh, we will uh, we will look forward to that at halftime. And, and James, we appreciate your call as always. We've got down the Eagles forty eight to twenty over the Chiefs, and we uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next break of the show. We'll wrap up hour number one after this. For another way to listen to our show, be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PV, Cam Berry with you here. Appreciate James from Montgomery there for joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Of course, we appreciate all of our great callers and guests on this program. Just a few minutes left here in hour number one. So before the hour ends, let's do birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, birthdays in sports. Presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Jaquiz Rogers turns 33 today. Former NFL running back selected in the fifth round of the 2011 NFL Draft by the Atlanta Falcons out of Oregon State. Also played for the Chicago Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Oregon State. Rodgers was a 2008 Pac-10 Freshman of the Year and was 2008 Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year. I remember a, a quiz Rodgers Oregon, Oregon State team that upset like number two or number three, something like that, USC on like a third random Thursday night Pac-12 game <laughs> in Corvallis. And that might have been like the last Pete Carroll team or, or one of them. Uh, it uh, just fuzzy memory, but Quiz Rogers name like that easy to remember. Uh, he turns 33 today. Chris Humphreys Humphreys turns 39. 
Former NBA power forward, selected 14th overall in the 2004 NBA draft by the Utah Jazz out of Minnesota. Also played for the Toronto Raptors, Dallas Mavericks, New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets, Boston Celtics, Washington Wizards, Phoenix Suns, and Atlanta Hawks at Minnesota. Humphrey was 2004 Big Ten Freshman of the Year. He was also 2003 McDonald's All-American, 2003 First Team Parade All-American, 2003 Minnesota Mr. Basketball, and uh, I think more famously known for his escapades off the court. Married to Kim Kardashian for like two months. Stay away from the Kardashians. Is, uh, is my advice yeah, to all that's professional stay athletes. Stay away from the Kardashians. That's just good life dinners. advice. Yeah. <laughs> just, just stay away. Stay away. Um, I know that they are famous and attractive. It doesn't matter. Just let it go. Go somewhere else. There's millions of fish in the sea. Millions. Especially if you're professional athletes. Agreed. Just, 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 just go somewhere it. else. Fish in another lake. Uh, but Chris Humphreys turns 39 today. Kevon Looney turns 27, current power forward and center for the Golden State Warriors. Selected 30th overall in the 2015 NBA draft by the Warriors out of UCLA. Three-time NBA champion. While at UCLA, Looney was 2015 second team All-Pac-12. His name to the 2015 Pac-12 All-Freshman team. Was also a 2014 McDonald's All-American and 2014 Wisconsin Mr. Basketball. I remember Kevon Looney at UCLA. He played at UAB in the round of 32. That year, UAB uh, knocked off three-seeded Iowa State. And nice. Kevon Looney probably had like 20 and 15. Just Sheesh. completely completely sunned UAB. He's always kind of been like that older man-looking basketball yeah, style. Not real. much lift. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but fills his role nicely. And hard to believe he's still just 27. I feel like I've watched right. him for longer than that. Kevon Looney turns 27 today. And Bob Wickman turns 53. Former MLB pitcher playing for the New York Yankees, Milwaukee Brewers, Cleveland Indians, Atlanta Braves, and Arizona Diamondbacks. Two-time MLB All-Star, 2005 American League Saves leader, member of the Milwaukee Brewers Wall of Honor. I remember Wickman as a Braves closer blowing a good number of saves. Is what I remember. <laughs> so he, he was, was a little, not a good closer. No. Well, he was with he was with the Indians primarily, and then the Brewers a little bit too, is is what I remember him being good early two thousand. The Braves just well, and as you just heard, two thousand five AL saves leader. I remember Wickman was good right before he became a Brave, and then he just hit that point where he was not as good when he got to the Braves. But uh, former MLB closer Bob Wickman turns fifty three today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union, Jaquiz Rogers, Chris Humphreys, Kevon Looney, and Bob Wickman. None of those guys would strike you as as great, but I'm kind of familiar with all of them. I mean, yeah. pretty familiar with all of them. Just a a little bit more uh, more now, more present day, and uh, also just in the case of Bob Wickman, that was one of the first closers I remember with the Braves. I remember him. I remember like Dan Kolb. And uh, Chris Reitzma, and just guys that just just were not particularly great to, uh, closing the baseball game for the Braves. Uh, then they finally uh, they had like one year Billy Wagner. That's what got them on the right track. And then they got Craig Kimbrell and been much better since. But uh, Bob Wickman, he was a big boy too. Yeah, uh, he uh, gosh, he was in the league a while again. Just kind of hashtag thick king. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> some could some would put it that way. Uh, but uh, good list right there. 
Just a few seconds left in hour number one when we come back in hour number two. Going to break down some of these, some of this big recruiting news for Auburn, both in football and basketball. They've continued to be busy, even though it was not great on the court for them this weekend. It's continued to be great on the recruiting trail. We'll also talk a little bit about Alabama's new coordinators, uh, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And of course, if you know who those hires are, you know that the defensive hiring quite interesting for those uh, here in Auburn. We'll talk a little bit about that. Coming up in hour number two. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Start of hour number two here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Beautiful day outside as we continue to talk about the world of sports. You missed hour number one, go check it out on the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever missed something or uh, want to hear sports, or if you ever missed Sports Call Live, you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast and join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola Taste the Feeling. Again, we're going to talk some Auburn recruiting here in hour number two. Uh, we'll also go through Alabama's coordinators. But first, we want to hear from you, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing much better today, guys. Thanks for asking. Uh, I would like to hear from you, uh, though, uh, first we'll go any further, Ryan, if you don't mind telling us, uh, how was your trip there? Uh how were the Tennessee fans uh, at that game who you were sitting around with, especially at the end of the game? Yeah, so uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, the time in Knoxville. I think Knoxville 
Uh, it's a far more beautiful place than I realized. I'd never really spent time there. I'd only driven through. I uh, spent a lot of time in an area called Market Square where there's about eight or ten restaurants and uh, some some nice uh, nice bar areas and, and, and just a bunch of different stuff down through there. Uh, really impressed with, with the city as a whole. Um, also imp- impressed with Thompson Bowling Arena, especially the inside. The outside looking a little dated. It was built in the 80s, kind of around the same time as the Smith Center in Chapel Hill. So they both kind of have that same kind of looking structure from the outside that's looking a bit older. But uh, the inside was very nice. They've, they've done some luxury suites on, on one end of the, or one side of the court, which is kind of rare for college basketball. There's not many arenas that are big enough slash want to do the, the luxury stuff. So impressed by the arena and the concessions and all that. As far as the fans, uh, really did not receive any trouble from fans whatsoever where I was sitting. Uh, the loudest person that was actually actually the most annoying was actually an Auburn fan. Go figure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, the Tennessee fans were fine. Typical stuff, booing a call they didn't like, uh, cheering their team. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, no incidents with us. Okay. All right. Well, I've already heard Tom's comment, I think yours too, about uh, the foul being uh, so obvious. Except, uh, and I love Justin Ferguson. I don't know if you've seen his uh, post on Twitter, uh, but he had in slow motion because uh, I was watching the game too, and it was so fast. Uh, and I thought to myself, well, surely there'll be a whistle. Of course, that never happened. And I saw, you know, uh, and I don't know where you were sitting. How close were you sitting? Uh, at the end of, well, when that happened, uh, the, the, the blatant foul on Window Green, where were you sitting when that happened? Uh, we, were, we were high up. Uh, we, we were in the upper corner uh, of the upper deck, and you can imagine a, a 20,000 seat arena. That was, that was pretty high. We were not, we definitely, I mean, we definitely saw some contact and saw them go to the ground, but from our vantage point, we had, we had to go seek out a replay to, to see how obvious it was. So they didn't shoot on the big screen. Well, but that that's the thing. I think they did, but their screen, again, you're sitting far away from it. Their screen is not large. The the replays did not help us really most of the most of the afternoon, uh, just from where their screen was located and and uh, again the magnitude of it. So, uh, it, I can't I honestly, I didn't even look for it because I wouldn't have really been able to tell, but I do think they I do think they played it at one point. Were you at the time when that happened, were you surprised? that a foul wasn't called, a no whistle, or did you even think uh, there was a foul? Because you were there live. Yeah, I, I mean, when when it happened, I thought, man, that's a lot. That that look that looks like either he got hit hard or he flopped. And, again, from my vantage point, I couldn't tell how much of, of either it was because, there. I mean, he went to the ground, so something significant happened. Something was exaggerated or something was significant. And so our first instinct was to be, what what was that? But then we we calmed down. We were like, I, honestly, <laughs> I, I I couldn't tell from way back here. I was just hoping to look at a replay that said it was a flop. I would have preferred it not to be in a bad call, uh, but obviously it was. And so no live. We definitely thought it was possible that there was a uh, a, a pretty bad foul there. But uh, again, I can't stress. I mean, we twenty thousand seat arena. Being midway up the upper deck, you know, not not an obvious vantage point to, to spot one. Yeah, and you know, uh, I've heard the rebuttals. Well, you know, even from from some Auburn fans, the main Tennessee fans. Well, you know, and like you said, and Tom, I think you said it. 
you know, uh, Auburn uh, was woeful, and they were. They were abysmal, uh, you know, uh, making these shots. However, uh, so was Tennessee. And if we had just made one more three-pointer, you know, you know the, was it three out of 27? Yes. Okay, or made one three-pointer, one additional free throw. The game would have been ours. Uh, but that being said, I think people, though, and I'm, I'm saying the same thing to you respectfully, Tom, we're conflating the two issues. Yeah, we were woeful uh, at, at making shots. Agreed. No, no debate there. However, that, to me, has no bearing or relevancy to a flagrant foul at the end of the game. Because, you know, not all fouls are equal. It's when they occur as well. Sure. And if we're going to be consistently called something like that, a no foul, no call, then you shouldn't have called a foul on a, to me, a questionable, if I, you know, no, should have been a no call on Katie Johnson, yeah. but he was called for a foul. Same thing. Same situation. Yeah. I hear you. No, I, I, I there, there's got to be consistency there. Either, either that's a foul or that's not a foul, and it's got to go all ways. That was a foul. Uh, I mean, just by the, by the rule of, rules of basketball, that was a foul. And it was and a it was li- nowhere near, uh, 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 I mean, it was more egregious than the one they called on Katie Johnson. I agree. Yeah. Well, right. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. It was more egregious than the one that Auburn committed against Virginia in the Final Four game. Oh yeah. Well. Because um, I mean, he was standing straight up, arms straight up in the air, and the right. and the shooter jumped into him, and they called that a foul. It by the rule of law, by the rules of basketball, that it's still a foul, but. You know, you could have swallowed the whistle on that one a lot easier than you should have with the one with Wendell Green. Because, I mean, the defender's arms were not straight up. They were directed at him. And Got he him came way up. Right. And he came into the shooter's space. That's a foul. Uh, I mean, it's just simply a foul. And I was thinking after the game, you know, wow. You know, if I'm upset, I'm wondering somewhere, you know, uh, Samir Dowdy, how upset was he about that? <laughs> Yeah, no telling if he was watching or not. Yeah, it's frustrating though. I I agree. Um, just, I mean, he literally had Wendell had to wrap his legs around him so he didn't fall and land on his ankle and hurt his ankle because Kumwa was so was so in, 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 his, in, in his, his space, space like yeah. so in his space. He had he had to throw his legs up, and I mean. The contact with the body, he got him on the way up, he got him on the body, and he had no space to land. So, I mean, there's three different times the ref could have called a foul there. So, it is frustrating. I, I, I'm with you, Steve. And, Cam, uh, not to belabor this, but even Reese Davis, who's in Alabama, you know, right. Homer, he even said on ESPN that was a foul. Yeah. But I'm watching uh, someone circle this and posted it. There is a referee an official right at the end line, right where would agree and was it Pavlovich that ran into him? Uh, it was it was Kamwa. Kamwa, okay. And he's standing right there. Yeah. And he walks away. And then I, I saw, uh, I'm sure you, you guys saw it, uh, Coach Pearl, he lit it. He yeah. was going to talk to him, but they just walked away. I guess they had a, a plane flight to catch. <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not a fan of the refs not even being willing to talk to Bruce there. Um, very frustrating, especially with how they called the game. Um, and to try, I mean, I feel like they just kind of ran away. And, and that's one of those situations where you feel like a ref should, you should talk to a ref should be able yeah, should be able to have an ex should be able to explain or be have to explain why they called it. Coach and tell them this is why we called it or why we didn't call it. Uh, I'm, I usually see him going to the coach and 
give an explanation. That that thing is very common during the game. What what what's the gray area here is that it it concluded the game and and usually. Uh, and a lot of times, well, a there's not a lot of big calls to make at the end of a game, but but usually refs leave the court instantly uh, in a lot of these sporting events. But I I can tell you I've been on the field at, at Jordan Hare before, and the refs practically run off the stadium. And people can make jokes about that, but I'm just saying that they they run off the field essentially, and there's a bus waiting for them. Uh, underneath the stadium that they get into and they're, they're they're shuttled off. So it's usually protocol that that they get off the playing surface uh, very quickly. Now, the, I still feel that they should be willing acknowledge. to acknowledge a a, a last second call that that influences the game. I still think that they, uh, quite frankly, they owe that to uh, the whatever coach that is. In this case, Bruce Pearl. Uh, but but typically they do li- they don't linger typically I mean they get off uh, and, uh, and and it is a little 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 quick paced how that happens and I understand that but he went directly to one of the refs and they right. just ignored him right yeah turn his back to him uh, and so I'm asking you guys you know I know there is little if any accountability to these uh, referees and officiating but have you heard anything from the SEC uh, officiating office? Any apologies, acknowledgement that was a bad call? Uh, no, and, and to be honest with you, I'd be surprised if it came out of the SEC because uh, I want to again remind people that these are refs that are not necessarily working just one conference. They, they span multiple conferences. Now, they end up working primarily with a group of teams because they're regionally located, but some refs will work out in New Mexico and then come out a Texas game and then go up to Illinois. Uh, I, I saw that. Someone took a picture of that. Uh, that the ESPN, there was one referee that was doing like five games in six nights and they were in all different states and yeah, cause it's uh, all not over like, the place. So, it's not like college football. Right. right? It, it, yeah. is not, it is not conference specific like college football. Right. Again, I understand that. Sure. So that, what I'm saying is I don't think that's the league's you know, responsibility there uh, on behalf of one officiating crew. Although obviously it did take place in an SEC game, they could come out and say that and make a very generalized statement. But uh, but these refs are, are 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 bound to more than just one conference. Well, I would be uh, I would be skeptical if uh, Coach Pearl didn't send some kind of a grievance or complaint letter. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what what kind of process that would be, or or, uh, but 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 obviously, I mean, they they didn't mince words, Bruce, nor some of the players and post game press conferences and that sort of thing. So they they were not happy, clearly. And before I leave that, just you know, and speak that, I know they get fined if they criticize the officiating, don't they? Coaches, yeah, the coaches yeah. do. Yeah. 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 Well, I read on uh, after the post game show because I didn't listen to it, but I read from I guess it was either Nathan King or Mark Murphy uh, as a quote. The coach Pearl said that was a foul. He was fouled. That's what his words were. He was fouled. Uh, would I get him in hot water? Or fine. Um, you say uh, how you feel. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. That one's not. I mean, it's 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 not. At, I don't know. I really don't know. Okay. All right. And I love the Widow Green's tweet. I respect all referees. But you what are you looking respect at? All yeah. People, yeah. But what could you possibly been looking at? Then they called him for a flop earlier in the game, didn't they? Yes. Right. Was that a flop? Um, I, 
I never saw a replay I, of that one, but I didn't see the play. I was he driving. Stuck his, uh, I, I out heard it as the guy ran into him. Then yeah, but they said he did it on purpose. Yeah, if you kick your feet, I mean that's the rule. Yeah. If you kick your feet out um, into the defender, then yes, it, it is considered a flop. Um, and I mean you can't do that. That's they. That's kind of an amended rule within the last like couple years or so. Because players, because players would would move their feet forward so that they could get that foul, where the they could get the landing zone foul. Okay, I know one thing. Uh, I hope I hope we we have Mr. Pavlovich. Is that how you pronounce it, Pavlovich? Plavsic. Yeah, I hope they have his number when he comes to play uh, at home at uh, that last home game for us. Yeah, not a fan of him. Uh, that, that guy did he get called for technical? Yes, he yes, did. He did. Yeah, do you guys know have know what he said or did you <laughs> I know exactly he, what he did. Yeah, he, he, he did emulated. The, he did the too small uh gesture, the one that Janai Broom usually does. So it was kind of, and he did it at Janai Broom. Yeah, I know that. So, yeah, okay. Uh yeah, it was just the too small gesture and and that's uh, honestly a lot of people do that now in in basketball. Okay. All right, moving on guys. Uh I see that uh, uh and I watched that game too. I said, "Wow, there's no way we we should lose this game, but but they lost at gymnastics. Lost to Alabama. Yeah. Even though Miss uh, Cindy Lee got, uh, I think, was it two tens? Yeah, she had a she had a ten on the bars and a ten on the beam. Wow, amazingly, uh, we still lost to them. Well, uh, so but we moved up, but moved up to number five in the polls. Okay, well that's good. Uh, and then a heartbreaker. I mean, that was brutal. The women's basketball team uh, should have won that game. Missed two free throws at the end. Wow. And then uh, a five second. Yep, uh, couldn't get the ball inbounded. Speaking of that, guys, how did they get away with that five seconds uh, that they couldn't inbound it? And they said that uh, the, the coach for Tennessee, what's his name? Uh, Rick Barnes. Yeah, called a, a timeout. Guys, do you have any, any skepticism about that one? Yeah, no, I didn't agree with that either. Uh, fortunately, Auburn did end up getting that possession once they turned him over in the backcourt. So, so that one ended up – that's a bad call that didn't end up mattering because Auburn ended up getting that possession just seven or eight seconds later anyway. So – uh, but, but, no, that did not seem like the right call either. Yeah, so it was a rock fight uh, like you guys thought it was. I never thought it would be that low scoring. But, uh, unfortunately, we had the rocks, and uh, Tennessee apparently had the boulders. Uh, <laughs> I've not heard uh, that described that way before, but I like that. Well, that's what it felt like, guys. I mean, you know, and then, now, you guys, you may, may get some credences or not. Uh, I read on Twitter that somebody observed uh, some Happy Meal bags being Given out to the officials, they were walking off the court. <laughs> Do you know anything about that? Uh, I don't. I don't know anything about that one. But uh, that yeah, yeah, okay, that's what. All right. So uh, moving on, guys. This one comes from. Uh, and I don't know if you guys can answer this one, but a uh, friend of mine who has to be a fortune Alabama fan called me about a half hour ago, uh, livid, saying that Derek Hall is a piece of crap. I said, "We talking about?" Because he said that Derek Hall didn't show up. Was a no show for the Sea Bowl game. I said, really? I didn't know that. He said, of course, he was there for the practices, uh, hotel rooms, paid and everything. Guys, do you know anything about that? They didn't show up? Uh, no, I don't know anything about that. Uh, where, where He's did, a no-show. Where did he see that? Well, no, he didn't see it. He heard it on our local uh, uh, WNSP uh, radio sports call show, Mobile, which I don't listen to because Jimmy the Alabama uh, uh, Homer's on there. Mm-hmm. But he said that uh, they talked about it. And that Derek Hall even was on the radio uh, show last week doing Senior Bowl, saying how much he'd been always looking forward to playing Senior Bowl, right. and was a no-show, even though he went to practices. 
at the last minute. They they weren't. They did. They said, "Well, he offered no explanation." They said, "No." So I don't know if you guys had heard or knew anything about that. No, I'm not. I'm not seeing anything about that. Uh, yeah, I'll double check them, see if he played in the game or not. But I I know that I know that some people. I mean that that's not unheard of where guys practice and then end up not playing because some of those practices are are actually more valuable to the coaches. Than than actually Actual putting game. the game out there. Uh, but is so, that ethical to do that though? I mean, I, it doesn't seem right though. I mean, uh, I think wow, I can't imagine Derek Hall going through all that and having said, you know, the meals all paid for, hotel, and then I show up for the game. Uh, I mean, I I don't have any problem with it. I mean, that's that's part of the process for for some people. I mean, again, there are so many scouts and, and coaches there that just stare at those practices. Uh, going there last year, uh, I couldn't tell you how many scouts were down on the field. It was a very big deal during the practice element of it because uh, a, a lot of those coaches, a lot of those coaches, they can put on tape of whatever college game they want, but they want to see in person what the practice habits are, how, how seriously these kids are taking practice and they're taking their reps and they're going one-on-one against these guys they're not familiar familiar with and that sort of thing. So, uh, again, the game is is cool, and, and it has some value. But, again, I, Derek Hall is not the first to, to not to not participate in it, if that, I mean, if that's what happened. Okay. I just didn't know because he said they were making a big stink out of it on, on the local radio station, Mobile. So I just know what you guys do about it. Okay. So moving on, guys. Um, I saw that uh, we didn't make the uh, top 25 this time. Uh, we got a surprise. I thought they would stay since, you know, we only lost to a number two team by three points. Yeah, no, I'm not wow. I'm not too surprised just because of the game was so ugly as a whole. I know Tennessee still maintained a top ten ranking, but, uh, it, you know, a 40-something, a 40-something game when Auburn's lost a couple as of late before, you know, three obviously losing four. Yeah, three of the last four. I, I'm not. I'm really not too surprised. They were the literally the, the last team in the top 25. So dropping out of it, I'm, I'm not surprised. Okay. Well, at least we're in good company with uh, the losses. Uh, Kansas went down. Gonzaga went down to St. Mary's. Uh, who else? TCU went down, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah Purdue, Purdue lost. Purdue, I mean, Purdue a lot of teams. Purdue a lot lost. of teams that, lost. That game. A lot yeah. of teams I lost th- last week. Yeah, I think 15 in the top 25 ended up losing last week. Last thing for Stephen, we got to get to another caller. Okay. Uh, I get the point. So, um, through rambling, your thoughts, and we'll talk about more uh, about this upcoming game uh, tomorrow night. Um, what's your confidence level that uh, we can uh, give them some payback or not? Uh, honestly, I I don't have a very good confidence level. Uh, this is a t- team that came into Neville Arena and blew Auburn's doors right. off. Now, if Auburn plays defense like they did against Tennessee, it's very possible. It's very possible. You just got to hit those shots. Yeah, but you just got to be I mean, able to hit shots. Yeah. Defense is going to travel, and and yeah. that's really if you can just get something in the offense going. Uh, I I don't think Jalen. Hopefully, he doesn't have a performance like he did last week. I think Janai is obviously your most consistent go-to as of right now. Um, Wendell obviously has to play better, but um, I mean. If, if Texas A&M doesn't get that 15-point lead, Auburn played a lot better defense in the second half, played a lot better offense in the second half of that game uh, where we, we lost uh, to Texas okay, A&M. Here I am. Yeah. Uh, what about, you know, we were missing Dylan Cardwell. You know, yeah, and not, not having Dylan. A big difference. May not, have him this, may not have him for A&M either. Yeah. May not? May yeah, not. I mean, he was apparently sick, so. 
Oh, wow. Okay. And he did oh, hurt yeah. his ankle. Oh, all right. Not good to hear. Well, thanks for the uh, time that you give me always, guys. I appreciate it. So my time is up. So until uh, tomorrow, you guys have a safe afternoon and evening. And uh, glad you're back, back uh, safely in all of one. Trying. So, Thank you. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the show, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Good. And you guys? Doing well. Hello. You know, I didn't get a chance to see the game. I knew I knew they were playing and everything, but I uh, had worked a lot of hours the night before, and I didn't get a chance to see the game. But I didn't realize there was a big controversial call at the end or, or whatnot. Uh, what happened? Yeah, so Wendell Green Jr., Auburn, Auburn, forced a turnover on a, a full-court trap and was down three, got the ball back with about 20-something seconds left and uh, ran, a, ran a, a play that took quite some time, got Wendell Green Jr. a three with about two or th- two, two or three seconds left, and and basically he went up for the shot and, and got a little bit of contact up high but had no room to land. So when he tried to land, he had to, like, swing his legs out and try and wrap his legs around around the defender because he had no room to land so there was contact on that last play could have been called a foul and it would have had an opportunity to shoot three free throws to try and tie it with a couple seconds left okay so he did not get the call just didn't go his way didn't get the call yeah the basket did not go and they did not get the foul oh and Auburn lost by three so no no one of pearls all worked up then huh yeah, well, and, and like we've talked about it before. I mean, yeah, you're worked up because that call didn't go your way, and that's fine. But you know, ultimately, when you just shoot three of twenty-seven from three, it, that's not going to win you very many basketball games. But you said when he went up, there was contact at that time, right? Yes. Yeah, the defender, the defender jumped into his space. Contact was made, and he well, did not a foul. Right. It was, right. It was, oh, it was a foul. I mean, it, it was one hundred percent, one hundred percent a foul. A foul. Like, no that the, the guys on TV, the commentators on TV, were saying it was a foul. Pretty much every basketball expert out there that has watched that has said that is absolutely one hundred percent a foul. Should have been called. Uh, and and it's ridiculous that it was not called. So it was a foul. What do you think Tennessee playing at home had something to do with it that the refs didn't want to go? One thousand percent. I think I think that had to do with it. But the other thing is Wendell Green also had a similar play where he had a flop, got called for a flop, and uh, I think the official knew that Wendell Green was going to try to force contact, and I think he had already made up his mind that he was not going to call. Uh, the contact because he was just assuming that Wendell Green was going to force that contact to draw the foul, and he I think he had already just determined he was not going to make that call, and he didn't, even though it was pretty egregious. Well, didn't last year, if I'm not mistaken, Wesley Kessel was under the basket and something similar. He had a shot he could make, and the guy fouled him, but the ref didn't call, and that, that caused Auburn to lose the game. And it went it something similar to that, somewhat. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure what you guys remember. I'm not off the sure top of my head. No, I can't remember. I don't remember who they were playing, but I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, something like that happened then, and it was a little problem there. I mean, everybody playing by the same rules, right? Throughout the whole uh, yeah. country, for as college basketball, right? You'd like to think, yeah. And, and these refs just goofed it up, and, and but yeah. they, uh, you said that they uh, rotate these refs. They're not really affiliated to any conference, right? No, they're not. Yeah, yeah. Oh. They, uh, they, it's 
There's some guys that work in three or four different leagues. They usually try and keep them kind of geographically in the same place, but they could end up right. working, you know, an SEC guy could end up working some Conference USA, some Sun Belt, some ACC. So, yeah, right. it could go everywhere. Well, that's pretty bad, you know, if they had to end a game like that and then the referee walk away and uh, won't give you no explanation or don't want to talk about anything. Uh, I mean, you know, that get anybody upset and hot on the collar. I can understand that, but I guess you're going to have to move on and go with the rest of the conference slate. But the uh, thing I wanted to really touch upon, uh, you know, I was uh, having to look at my phone last night at Beep, you know, give you an update on things happening in sports. And uh, Kevin Steele, if I'm not mistaken, been hired by Coach Saban. What, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I, well, we've yet to talk about it on the yeah. show. I don't know what these guys think. Uh, you know, he obviously yeah. did a really good job at Auburn but had a rough year at, at Miami uh, last year in his first year there. has been at Bama multiple times, a guy Nick Saban's very familiar with, but uh, it has not been trending in the right direction the last couple of years. You know, uh, we all saw the job they did at Auburn. Uh, I saw it, you saw it, and everybody else with the, what he had to work with at Auburn. Now he's in a position where he's supposed to have the cream of the crop, the bell cow, uh, the big blue chip, uh, great All-American, uh, five-star, whatnot, or whatever they got going on. Uh, you know, and then he's I'm a, a world champion, uh, heavyweight champion coach, uh, probably the greatest of all time. So you figure what he's going to do now. I mean, good God. You know, that, that, that puts Alabama, hey, you know, I know they're going to be lacking in the quarterback because they ain't a proven quarterback uh, stepped up yet, and the offensive line ain't proven yet. But, you know, you can lean on the defense in a good running game if you can get that going. But we're going to see what he does. But I'm expecting him to do some things. I mean, good God, with the talent Alabama guy and his uh, defensive genius. Yeah, what he, what we, yeah. yeah you know, I, I think the important thing here, and kind of as you said, is people did not really like Pete Golding in Alabama, and yet they still produce top ten or so defenses just because of what Nick Saban brings to the table and how much talent they've had on that side of the ball. I think the more relevant – coordinator is going to ultimately be the offensive coordinator higher because I, I think as long as Saban's the head coach I think there's just going to be a baseline of defense that's still going to allow Alabama no matter how the defense coordinator is performing to be a really really good defense so I think they obviously have the potential with Steele if he goes back to what he was doing at Auburn for about four or five years there uh, they can get right back up to the top of the country be be first or second in defense as they've been a lot of Saban's tenure but uh, just it was interesting how how things went so poorly for him at miami this year and uh obviously being being around a little bit longer now his mid-60s so we'll, we'll just see but uh, there's still a baseline expectation that alabama is always going to have a really good defense well i don't think he's lost anything because he might be in his mid-60s and he just had a little you know average whatever going on down in miami or whatnot but you know a lot of things factored in that who the head coach is the talent you got and all that stuff that goes in and, and uh, strength conditioning and Everything that goes into uh, getting a football player ready, you know. So we're not. I'm not going to worry about that. Cause I know what he's done in the past. I know what he can do, and I know what he has to work with at Alabama. But I'm going to tell you something. I was glad to see him get away from Auburn. I'm just going to tell you the truth. You know, we all knew uh, caliber coach he was. I'm glad to see him get away from uh, from Auburn when he did. Now I'm even gladder and happier that he's uh, at the capstone. Because uh, I tell you, you know, I don't know what kind of season Bama might put together this year because there's question marks at that quarterback position and offensive line, as I stated earlier. But I'm looking towards uh, 2024, if he's still there, that a national championship could be brewing, that it could be on the horizon. You know, Saban's going to put his stamp on everything. And that's just what it is. A head coach, you know, things can be shaking in the area. But, you know, 
once everybody do what they're supposed to do under a head coach, and the head coach put his final stamp on it, you know, that's what makes things go with any program. When the head man, you got to look at him, you know. You don't want to disappoint the head man. You're going to give it everything you've got, you know, because you want to make sure the head man is happy. You want to impress him. And it's even going to demand that those players give 100%. And those players want to give 100% because they want to be, they want to be, hey, they want to be, hey, they, like I said, they want to be national award winners. They want to win Heisman. They want to win Outland and any other kind of trophy that they're giving away, uh, Jim Thorpe and everything else. They want to be celebrated like that. They want to be first-round draft picks. They want to be the cream of the crop. Look at Jalen Hurts uh, coming up this Sunday, going to be in the Super Bowl. And, I, you know, I got upset with Jalen Hurts with his play at Alabama towards the end and everything. And, and I had got on this radio show and every other show that let me talk and said that he would never do anything in the NFL. He's improved me wrong and everybody else. And, you know, I'm the kind of person that uh, – if uh, I say something and it turns out not to be correct, I got the guts to tell you that I was wrong. This man is uh, has led the NFL uh, rushing touchdowns for sure and has thrown a few passing touchdowns and got this record that nobody else has. You know, that he's done things that no other quarterback in the history of, of football has done. And we know how Fran – well, I know how Fran Tarkin used to run. You guys don't probably know because you're probably too young to remember Fran Tarkin from the Vikings. But anyway uh, – I'm just going to tell you that uh, Hurts uh, has opportunity if they can take the team a rally behind him. Everybody get together. They don't make too many mistakes. They take care of that football and take care of hey school when they get those opportunities. And at the end of the game, if they can have one more point than the other team got, they'll be Super Bowl champions. Or somebody's going to Disney. I don't know if it's going to be Hurts or Sanders or, or Devontae Smith or, or a tight end or even a big old offensive lineman might mess around. Have 20 pancake blocks that might go to Disney this time for the first time in the history of the Super Bowl, but we're going to find it out Saturday. But, uh, you know, player, that helps Alabama recruiting. You has to when they look and see where well, Alabama got three or four players. Uh, land, they got a big old Landon uh, Dickerson, if I'm not mistaken, on the offensive line, big old Bell Cow Bull blocking. You got Devontae Smith, you got Hurts, and there's one other guy, but I can't think of his name. When people look at that and see that, they say, well, okay, I need to get on to Alabama where I can get developed because I, I see uh, what these guys are doing. And saving ain't slowing down. Even though they didn't get the national championship this time, it's still consistent. He's still in the conversation, and it just won't stop. He won't quit. Got the number one recruiting class, signed nine uh, five stars for the first time in history. Anybody that was done that, if I'm not mistaken, I think they reclassified a few guys to make that happen. But either way, it's something uh, special there. But, guys, I appreciate the time, and we're going to see what happens there. And I'm going to call you all back Monday, and we're going to talk about this thing. And that sounds good with us, Anthony. We appreciate the phone call. Thanks. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next commercial break of the show. Daryl from Auburn will be up first after this next time out. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here. Just had a string of phone calls. 
which we always appreciate, and that will continue in just a moment. But first, we want to remind you that all of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Give us a call and join sports call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. With that, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the show today, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins the program. Daryl, how are you doing? Fine. I just appreciate your service because, you know, me, it's not that I'm technology challenged, but once I leave the library and I don't have a smartphone, I'm dependent on you for information. Well, uh, we'll try and give you all the information that you're seeking. Okay. Well, uh, you can start with... What is a flop in basketball? I don't understand that. So basically, it's the exaggeration of a play to try and force the officials to call a foul that did not exist. So someone gets near you or you go up for a shot uh, and somebody gets close to you or maybe just brushes you and you kind of flop around, you kind of exaggerate uh, to where it makes the official force his hand to try and call a foul. I got you. I just, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to keep up with sports, but uh, listen to basketball. I, I think that was called twice or attempted to be called twice during the Tennessee game. Yeah, it was definitely called on Wendell Green Jr. Kind of mid in the somewhere in the middle part of that game. Uh, I don't recall it another time. A lot of the times it's usually called with contact close to the rim, like in a block charge call. Uh, we don't see it 30 feet from the basket like that as often. But, uh, but yeah, they did call it on Wendell Green Jr. But that's not commonly called, is it? I've, I've, before Tennessee's game, I don't recall hearing that. Like a, um, yeah, like I said, it, it, is, it is probably something that happens once every couple of games. Uh, maybe three or four game every three or four games, and again in that situation, it's not usually called on shot attempts too often. Usually, it's more around the rim with contact. Gotcha. Okay. And second question, uh, in case I don't, uh, well, I hear you guys tomorrow. Who are we playing? Are we playing tomorrow night? Yes, tomorrow night, uh, five thirty airtime over on FM Talk ninety three point nine. Uh, so six o'clock tip off against Texas A and M in College Station. Okay, that's going to be a tough game, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Texas A&M's already beat Auburn really bad to end Auburn's home game win streak. That's right. Yeah, I remember. Well, I I appreciate your information. It helps me in my profession as a, oh, I don't want to call myself the maitre d' of a fast food restaurant. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where because every time I tell somebody I work there, they get bad service or a bad waffle. <laughs> but it, what the information you give me uh, helps me talk to the people that come in, and I appreciate what you do for us. Well, absolutely, Daryl, and, and uh, I'm sure you're not at fault in any of those situations. I'm sure you do do a really good job. No, all I do is like, welcome to Waffle House. Is that dining or take you? Oh, well, you can have a seat here. Oh, okay. Well, and then uh, I tell people, well, I hope you had a great meal. Bye. You know, and I wipe the table and clean the bathrooms, and I'm out of there. So, and uh, I made a commitment. They. Uh, they give me um, a decent wage for what I do. So, and I was just a Saturday and Sunday gig, and uh, it is what it is. And 
Well, you know, before during COVID, I was just uh, challenged to meet people or see people. I'm a real outdoorsy kind of guy. You know, I've been in the community since '78, so I know half the people in Auburn. You know, a lot of people just come in to uh, regulars I've known for years, and I get to meet new people. And then, you know, Coach Pearls come in twice, Sunny Lee once, and then Cadillac came in. About a week or two ago, and he got a takeout order, and we got a little football on display at the restaurant. You know, he signed that for us. Oh, that's awesome. No, no, no. I mean, otherwise, I wouldn't get to see these sports figures. Uh, We have athletes that come in in a regular, you know, whether whatever sport. Yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, I appreciate the info, and uh, I'll be listening to you until I find out who where that Chinese balloon fell. So. (laughs) So, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, they shot the stupid thing down. I got tired of hearing, hearing about it over the week. So, but we won't get into politics or whatever. Yeah, so. we'll we'll stay away from that. We'll stick to the sports. But Daryl, we do appreciate the phone call and we appreciate you listening. Okie dokie. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. That is uh, Daryl from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Just three or four minutes left here in uh, hour number two, so we'll keep it right here again. Coming up. Uh, top of the 6 o'clock hour, Borgard High School uh, basketball, girls basketball in the area tournament. want to mention that uh, they start area tournament play tonight against the Tallahassee Tigers. That one at Borgard. Tim Sin will be on the call of that one. Really excited about that. So that's coming up after our show today. So stay tuned for that. Just a few minutes left here in the hour, as I mentioned. Uh, again, real let's, uh, let's talk real briefly. We'll get into the Auburn recruiting uh, in the third and final hour, also best and worst of the weekend. But, again, Tommy Reese, the new coordinator at Alabama, offensive coordinator at Alabama. Kevin Steele, the new defensive coordinator at Alabama. Your thoughts, Tom? Uh, you know, I mean, they're they're both good coordinators. Obviously, Kevin Steele did a great job here as coordinator. Um, you know, but for – honestly, from Alabama standards, it seems like it's kind of underwhelming. Um, I You know, I, I don't know. I just – just because it's not those uh, ex NFL head coaches. Yeah, it's basically. not the ex NFL guys. It's, you know, it's not. Yeah, it just they. It feels underwhelming from for what they normally get. Uh, not saying they're not going to do a great job. Because, I mean, goodness, they've got all the all the talent in the world to work with. I mean, you can be a very mediocre coach and have a lot of success with the types of recruiting classes they bring in. So, yeah, I mean, name wise, a little bit underwhelming, but I, I don't doubt that they'll do just fine at Alabama because. I mean, they just had the best recruiting class they've – they just had the best recruiting class anybody has ever had. Yep. Yeah. And so that, that's going to make a lot – that can make a lot of really bad coaches look pretty good when you've just got that much abundance just of put talent. put the talent in the right position, right? Yep. That's all you need. Yeah. Don't ruin, don't ruin the talent. That's that's it. Yeah, so my, my – well, go ahead, Cam. Go ahead. On, on, or do you have any thoughts on Tommy Reese or um, Tim Steele? Not much. I mean – He's the offensive coordinator when Notre Dame went to the playoff, if I remember correctly. So that should account for something, um, his ability to call plays. Um, I, I kind of saw that Alabama, some Alabama fans weren't too happy with the hire just because it's not like a splash hire or anything like that. But, I mean, if, he, if the guy can call plays, the guy can call plays. Obviously, Notre Dame wasn't near as good. This year they didn't, but overall I don't think they had as formidable offensive talent either. So I think that right. definitely plays a part into it. They played like 
three different quarterbacks, I think. So, you know, they didn't have one consistent guy that definitely plays a part, I think. Um, and then on the defensive side, I mean, we already know what Kevin Steele can do coaching-wise. Um, you know, he's a good defensive coordinator. He had Auburn in, in the right spots um, during his tenure here. Obviously, you know, stop the steal happened, but that was for head coaching, and we never, ever really debated that he was a bad defensive coordinator. Um, so, I mean, that's a good pickup. I mean, that's this will be his third stint at Alabama. So yes. it, it's – he and Saban are familiar with each other. Obviously, that communication and, and that familiarity is something that's going to be key for Bama. Um, so I, I don't see how um, – I mean, like you said, Tom, they have all they have a bunch of talent on the roster. So I, it, it obviously can't go too terrible. Yeah, and I think uh, there's never really been a need, in my opinion, to, to have splash hires for Alabama. Right. Uh, Tommy Reese at Notre Dame – Notre Dame was not very good offensively. They were kind of middle of the pack. They were in the 40s in scoring right. offense. They got better throughout the season. I, and, again, I think that's the more relevant hire because I just think that even Alabama, quote, is is having a down year defensively, that still means like the 10th best defense in the country, something yeah, right. like that. And, and that's kind of what was happening under Pete Golding. And, and so if Steele gets back to what he was doing in his Auburn tenure, yeah, they're going to go back up to first or, or second best defense in the country. Uh, but as uh, Anthony mentioned there, you know, you do have a new quarterback. You have some more stuff on the offensive line. This year, wide receivers did not really stand out for Alabama in the way that they have really over the last 10 or so years. And so there will be questions on the offensive side of the ball that I think will be legitimate for Alabama. But defense, Kevin Steele, he knows that. He knew it at Auburn. I wouldn't be too worried about the time at Miami. Again, just worth mentioning that was a pretty bad defensive unit this year. But nevertheless, uh, Kevin Steele, Tommy Reese, the new coordinators at Alabama. End of time, out of time for hour number two. When we come back, hour number three ahead, best and worst of the weekend, Auburn football and basketball recruiting news, and more of your phone calls on the Auburn Make phone line. Stay tuned. More sports call after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call today on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Fun show so far. And uh, I guess we need to recap it. So it's time for today's Sports Call Daily Show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? 
It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? All right, what are the things today, Tom? What have we done so far? Oh, man, touched on a lot. Uh, obviously, we've talked about a lot about Auburn's basketball uh, loss <clears throat> on the road to Tennessee. And, I mean, I think we have diagnosed that one about as much as we can. Yes, Doctor, it, it was frustration. It was frustration. <laughs> yes, it was a foul at the end. But, however, Auburn did not shoot the ball well enough to get a victory over anybody. So, that's got to improve. Um, we've discussed that. Um Man, that's 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 been the vast majority of what real. we've talked about, really. We've had the uh, Bama coordinator, Bama the Bama coordinator. Yeah, we discussed that a little bit, but uh, had phone calls. Yeah, and uh, a little Super Bowl prediction from James, as yeah. always. Yeah, he's got Eagles forty-eight as well. And uh, we were reading off air, interesting story too. What uh, we'll get more facts on before we talk about that, also. Want to get to some other things first. Best and worst of the weekend coming up at about 5.30 or so. But uh, let's uh, let's talk some Auburn recruiting uh, as promised, and we'll start in the basketball realm. I believe it was on Friday, uh, LeBarian Phylon, uh, a highly rated prospect, four-star here on the 247 rankings uh, out of Mobile, 6'4", 177, number 41 nationally rated player, Commits to Auburn for the 2024 class. Again, a reminder of the classes because uh, different seasons, different recruiting class numbers. If you're in football and you're recruiting and you're now committing to the 2024 class, you're committing to now the next class. We've kind right. of closed the book on this class. They're all coming in in the spring or the summer. That's the 2023 class. The 2024 class is rising seniors for uh, for college football. The 2024 class is two cycles away from playing basketball. Aiden Holloway is the lone commit in the 2023 class. Auburn in the 2024 basketball class now has Dahad Pettiford, a five-star number 22 player at the point guard position. Dog. LeBaron Phylon, or LeBaron Phylon and Peyton Marshall, four-star out of Marietta, Georgia, top 100 player, 6'11", 310 center, could play offensive line Dogs. if you freeze would like yeah. that as well. But uh, Swear. Uh, so <clears throat> I, I think here, uh, adding to the theme, this is now three highly rated point guards over two classes between Holloway, Pettiford, and Phylon. And uh, a, a recruiting class for Auburn that is starting to rank very highly in 2024, up like into third, right? Yeah, up yeah. into the top five um, in 2024. Um, and, and it is third right now. I believe it's North Carolina and maybe Rutgers that's ahead of it. Yeah. Yep. And, and so, again, recruiting has been really amped up here in recent weeks. We know that with the football side of things, but now even for Bruce Pearl, these basketball commits jumping on the train here over these next two classes. Yeah. Um, he, he's not stopping. Bruce is really trying to build a consistent program that gets these big time names these five star these four star recruits um in here year after year at least one or two every year so and we've got three for 2024 um kind of i I feel like he sees 2024 as kind of like almost a reset year um in terms of bringing in some fresh talent uh, from high school um young guys that that he'll be able to to use um and really that will really fit 
his uh, his his system more guys that can really shoot the ball. Aiden Holloway can shoot. Um, Taha Pettifer um, can score in a versatile amount of ways um, and play very good defense. Askin Holloway and um, Philon um, LeBaron Philon uh, is very talented. <laughs> He's averaging thirty six points per game and shooting over fifty one percent from the floor. I mean that the guy can score. The guy can put the ball in the hoop. So he seems like he. It seems like uh, he's going to be kind of a, 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 a you know a more scoring type of guard um, and really really aggressive. Not as much of a facilitator in that kind of role. He's kind of a combo guard. Uh, in that type of sense. So it's really exciting to see, you know, you, you people are freaking out, you know, about how this team is. And, you know, we get it. It's understandable. We want this team to be a lot to this team to be really good. Um, and Bruce is still using this type, this team, last year's team, this year's team to show that, hey, you know, we're going to compete. We're going to play these really talented teams. We're going to play some really tough competition um, and we're going to get you exposure and we're hopefully going to get you to the next level as well. Um, and Philon said on just talking about Arvin, he said, I like their playing style. Uh, this is from two, two, four, seven, uh, uh, Christian Clemente, excuse me. Um, he said, he's telling me that I'll come in there and get stronger and eat better and grow as an athlete and as a student. And so, yeah, I mean, that's all you can ask for. If you're talking, if you're, if you're an Auburn fan, um, he's bringing in these guys and, and, um, really selling the program. And who would have thought, oh. right? <laughs> so, now, I, I'll tell you this. Um, uh, Phylon, big kid at 6'3", 175 for, for a point guard. He, he's not the prototypical point guard that Bruce Pearl normally has. Tahad Pettiford is. Um, and so there's discussions on how that's going to work. If you've got two top he's a, he's point a, guards yeah, there. He's a combo guard. Uh, right. Um, both of them are kind of combo guards. Um, you know, with Phelan, if Phelan has the ball in his hands, then Pettiford's going to be moving around and finding ways to get open, kind of vice versa. I will say this about um, uh, the Phelan kid out of Baker in Mobile. He's listed as a four-star, and from everybody that I've seen talk about him, if he was playing in any other state – so let me say this. High school basketball in the state of Alabama is not very highly respected across the country, Not not like Georgia – or, or some of these others. Um, yeah, yeah, probably. Or like California. Or, 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 yeah. Yeah, or Texas, Florida. You know, some of these. Yeah, that, you can go on. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, high school basketball in, in the state of Alabama is not very highly regarded in the eyes of a lot of other folks. Uh, and what they've said about Phylon is if he played in any other state, if he played in Georgia, and if he played on one of those other elite AAU teams, he'd be a five star. He would be easily a five star because the kid le- the kid is one of the nation's leading high schoolers in scoring. And he averages almost forty a game. He is absolutely ridiculous. I've seen people compare him to John Morant. Uh, that's a stretch because I I haven't seen him, but still. I wonder when, how much of an athlete he is. Yeah. Well, well, you're talking about the athlete, the athleticism, the size. He's bigger than Jaw. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. The, the athleticism, the size, and and the explosiveness. Um, he is compared to Jaw Morant. Um, and he's only the four star. But like I said, most people say that if he was on a bigger, more renowned AAU team, then he would easily be a five. So you got that. Um, Todd Pettiford. A much smaller guy. He's going to fit more of that role of facilitator uh, of of what. Well, it, there's that, but he fits more the mold of what Bruce Pearl typically has at the point. He's a smaller guy at five eleven, and so 
you know, he's he's gonna be more like your Jared Harper type guy. So the thing is, uh, we we've seen how poor the guard play has been lately, and they are shoring that up. I mean, you're already gonna have Aiden Holloway, and so he's here. You're bringing in two more elite guards. They're trying to get that guard play up, and. and then when you look at it, though, Auburn's probably not done. I mean, they've got the three for the 2024 20, class. There's more guys that they're looking at, some other big-time five-star dudes that are out there, uh, some fives and fours that that Bruce Pearl's looking at. And, and you know these two guys uh, are going to be on the recruiting trail just as hard as the coaches are. And, they, you know, they, all, they know each other through the AAU routes and things like that. So, Big time for Bruce Pearl to to bring those those guys in and uh, the you know these are guys that were highly sought after. It wasn't like that Auburn right. got a guy that was only kind of looking at some moderately small schools and yeah we'll go ahead and take him. No these these dudes passed up on some major major programs to come to Auburn. Yes, sir. good on Bruce Pearl. Yeah, huge build man. building for the future and you got to like it. Pettiford is the highest, third highest, third highest ever. recruit that um, Auburn basketball has ever had behind Jabari Smith and Sharif Cooper. So, yep. The uh, the other offers on Phylon, just for reference, there's one that does not uh, go with the others just because of where he's from, Mobile, South Alabama offered him. But the other eight, Ole Miss, LSU, Louisville, Kansas, Houston, Arkansas, Alabama. So a lot of those teams local here, plus Kansas uh, and Houston. Houston's obviously been – uh, really good for the last few years. And then Kansas, one of the Blue Bloods. So Auburn recruiting basketball uh, has been very good here. Number three in the country for 2024. So while it was a rough weekend on the court, another productive weekend uh, off the court uh, with recruiting. Let's talk a little football recruiting now because uh, it, it goes on for Auburn uh, on the football trail as well. And they secured their third commitment for this next class, the 2024 class. They've been busy. They got Jaden Lewis in the 24 class just a couple days earlier. And now they get four-star quarterback Walker White out of Little Rock Christian Academy, Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, Number 13 quarterback by 247 standards, uh, 142 in the nation. But the number one player in the state, or at least the number one quarterback in the state of Arkansas, and so Hugh Freeze has a, a pretty solid quarterback commitment now, yeah. uh, something that he values a lot, something that he's known for, uh, cares a lot about, says he won't take a quarterback unless he puts his eyes on him. And apparently he put his eyes on Walker White and, and liked what he saw, and Walker White commits to Auburn. Uh, I, I will tell you this. Go, for anybody out there listening, look up Walker White. Go watch his film. Go, go watch some of his highlights. Uh, go watch some of his workouts. This is a big kid at 6'3". I've seen six, him at 6'3", 215. 6'3", Big kid, but, he, I mean, he's jacked. I mean, this is this is not a skinny quarterback. This this no. dude is, like, swole. Um, but watch some of his throws. The, the dude's – the dude just the, – the ball explodes out of his hands. Um, very compact delivery. Just everything about it is real compact. It explodes out of his hands. Um, but it, you watch some of the highlights, and, I mean, he's dropping dimes. I mean, just perfect dimes that he's dropping. Um, and so watching him is great. The other thing that I really enjoyed watching him was his commitment ceremony. Uh, I, I liked how there it was, you know, no frills, no no tricks, no hat tricks, no jersey tricks, no nothing. 
he thanked everybody that that he wanted to thank and he pulled out auburn hat and said i'm committing to auburn and all of his whole family took their shirts off and had all their auburn gear on so there's no tricks no anything it's just like i'm committing to auburn bam and he just uh, he's just a junior in high school but he sounds already just so well put together with just like i said thanking the right people and and just everything about him see, sounds like a guy that could be a, a very good leader for you going forward um i think it's a big pickup and i you know i think he's a guy that could definitely be the future quarterback for this team yeah a uh, great pickup for for hugh freeze and uh he, you know he he not only picked up a four-star quarterback, he picked up an extra recruiter. Um, uh, Walker White has been extremely active on his yeah. social media and also in his in his commitment. Um, during his commitment, he has already named off a bunch of guys that he wants to get to Auburn, um, a bunch of high-ranked players. And, uh, I mean, today Alabama had a tight end, a four-star tight end, decommit. Walker White coded the tweet and said, love that, and said, at Coach Hugh Freeze, at – Auburn football so I mean he's consistently trying to get guys in this class in his class to join him uh here in, on the plains and I mean that's awesome that's formidable I think that's going to be something that is going to be a, a key tool within the next you know year or so with how um how we get these guys um into the program and and he seems like he's ready to work so it's exciting to see to to really see that honestly I <laughs> I just saw something here on a story. Gosh, I hope I, <laughs> I hope Walker White works out better than this. Uh, Walker White is the highest rated quarterback to come out of Arkansas since who? Uh, would it be Kyle Frazier? It would be Kyle Frazier. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, uh, Kyle went to Shiloh. Shiloh yeah. Christian. Uh, uh, Little Rock Christian, he's coming out of uh, – that's where Mike Michael Dyer, Dyer – Michael yeah. Dyer went to school, but – but oh. I, but yeah, so Walker White is the highest rated quarterback to come out of Arkansas since Kyle Frazier, and we all know how that worked. Uh, yeah, yeah, it ended him playing not quarterback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's how well it went. Uh, yeah, no, this is again Hugh Freeze. We talked about this in the show last week. The thing that stood out to me most about his his interview conducted at the Senior Bowl was his emphasis on the twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five classes. He said those two classes will kind of make or break Auburn and, and determine the success of his tenure. It's not going to be what they just kind of patchwork together there uh, in, in the last couple months of the 23 class and what they're continuing to do in the portal. Those are nice things. Those are trying to establish a different baseline than five and seven right. from last year. They're trying to establish a baseline of, okay, at the absolute worst, still going bowling. Don't know exactly what the record will be, but won't be as bad as what it was. But 2024 and 2025 are going to be what's really about getting Auburn back towards the top of the SEC. And, again, as this playoff expands in 2024 and you no longer have to really win or, or go to the conference championship game, essentially, to make the playoff, that's going to be incredibly relevant. Uh, I also wanted to bring up uh, and slightly related news to that. I don't know if you guys saw this over the weekend, but the drama between Oklahoma and Texas – has continued. First, they were not coming until 25 because the Big 12 was not going to let them. Then it looked like the Big 12 realized, yes, Oklahoma and Texas, just go on. After 2023, go right. on for 24. You're fine. Right. Let's move on. Well, uh, last week slash last weekend, the TVs, uh, the TV execs had different ideas, and so it appears 
that while the Big 12 in Oklahoma and Texas would be comfortable, they've reached a deal tentatively to move on in 2024. That's not what the TV execs want, and they're going to end up holding up this deal. Oh, my And that gosh, Oklahoma dude. and Texas will not join the league until 2025. 2025 excuse right. me. Still a fluid situation. It's not set in stone. But we went from looking like it was probable to now – very somewhere not. between possible and, and not likely. So uh, I'm get, getting frustrated with that. But nevertheless, 2024 is when the playoff expands. Uh, it's when you go up to 12 teams. In theory, you could have Oklahoma and Texas, but at this point it's looking like you're going to still have a league without Oklahoma and Texas. Perfect opportunity. If you're if you're any program, I mean, we were talking Auburn, but if you're any program that's trying to, to rebuild here, 2024 is a great target for you because that's the first rendition of the 12-team playoff, and um, this portal uh, is still wild. There's still no cap on NIL. still kind of wild, wild west there. And, and so you have this opportunity here if you're Hugh Freeze to build that momentum towards 2024. Of course, 23 is not going to be a throwaway season. They're never no. going to throw away All a right. season like that. But just simply saying, I think everyone understands – that there is a true rebuild, not a retool, rebuild uh, with what, what Auburn football program is having to go to. And uh, Walker White, the four-star quarterback, will be headed to the Plains in 2024. Again, you don't know how many true freshman quarterbacks actually start, but uh, that certainly will be a guy that Auburn could end up building around uh, for a few years to come right after that. Let's go ahead and take our next break of the show. When we come back, best and worst of the weekend. This is the Monday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here. Starting to wind things down. Don't forget, coming up in just about a half hour, Beauregard Girls Basketball in the area tournament as they face uh, the Tallahassee Tigers in Beauregard. You still have time to get out to that one if you'd like. If not, listen to it right here with Tim Sin and, uh, and the guys at Six o'clock again. Airtime will be just a few minutes before six, but tip off right around six in the area tournament. And so uh, we, we have some postseason high school basketball for you again. Borgard girls tonight at six o'clock. All right. Uh, again, starting to wind down this Monday show. Time for best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No! 
No! No! Of the weekend. Had to do this on Tuesday last week because we had a shortened Monday show last week and things got kind of hectic, but we're back to a Monday. So don't fret if you heard the Monday podcast last week and was like, where is it? Where is it? I always look forward to the guys complaining about something and <laughs> loving on something. So we'll uh, we'll start. Uh, let's You know what? Let's start negative today. Uh, <laughs> uh, so on the heels of a negative sports weekend for Auburn. Uh Tom or Cam, either one. Whoever wants to go first here. Uh, I, so I'll go worst, and I and I guess it's the um, man. I could I could kind of go a couple of different ways, but I'm, it just seems like that this has been a worst week for officiating slash judging when it comes to mm-hmm. Auburn athletics. Uh, you start the gymnastics meet. Auburn uh, ranked a lot higher than Alabama. Uh, they lose uh, Auburn leads throughout that whole thing and then they lose it by a few hundred tenths of a point or something but uh, just from everything that I gathered there was some very fishy scoring going on there with the with the judging community uh, Auburn's Darren Goburn one of the best at the floor exercise and had a great routine and somehow Alabama had four that were scored higher than her and that just that doesn't happen. Something is odd with that. Um, it really felt like, again, just I didn't watch it, but just kind of following along with what a lot of the people were saying is it felt like they were definitely inflating some scores for Alabama and ended up giving Alabama that win. Uh, Auburn still moved up to number five in the country. Soon he still got the two tens, but it still stinks because there's an L there and bragging rights. That, yeah, and then – Fast forward to the Auburn-Tennessee game, as we've mentioned. At the end of the game, Wendell Green should have been shooting three to tie. I mean, just that was a foul. It just was 100% a foul. It's got to be called. I don't care if Wendell flopped earlier and the, and the official was expecting him to flop again or if he was just dead set that he was not going to call for Wendell you know, forcing that contact. or what. I don't care. That was a foul. At the most critical port part of that game, and he should have had a chance to tie that game up. Not saying he would have, because goodness, gra- goodness gracious, Auburn can't shoot the ball to save their lives right now. But at least you give him the opportunity. Should have it should have happened. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean between, but yeah, between the uh, the officiating or judging and the gymnastics, and then the just egregious blown call in that game at a critical moment. Worst of the week, officials slash judging. <sighs> My, my worst of the weekend is not going to be Auburn-related. It's actually going to be NBA-related. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, this, this Kyrie Irving trade, actually, to be the worst of the weekend because it doesn't make sense, in my opinion. Uh, Ryan and I, we kind of talked about it a little earlier. It doesn't make sense for the Mavericks. It doesn't really move the needle. It doesn't make them a championship team. It makes them worse defensively, um, and you're trading for somebody who has tr- proven within the last mm, – three, four years that he is just unreliable as, as a person, as a player, as, as, as that. Um, so it doesn't make much sense if, if you're the Mavericks, I, I guess I get, you're trying to get Luka Doncic some help. Um, but two ball dominant players, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. I don't think it's going to work very well. Um, Ryan, you said that you don't, think he's going to stay in Dallas I agree I don't think he would stay in Dallas um I think he's going to end up a Laker at the end of it all honestly um no matter what happens and so I just I don't think that trade made a lot of sense um 
and um that's just that's just my worst of the weekend honestly i just don't agree with that trade i just don't think it moves any kind of needle for the mavericks um and i just i i think i think they got defensively worse they'll put up a lot of points but they'll lose 135 to 130 so i just i don't see um how that helps them whatsoever all right my worst is another professional league uh, it is whatever the hell is going on with the NFL Pro Bowl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, Dude. Um, you know, I, I, I sat here all week last week. I'll tell on myself. I sat here all week last week, and I said, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, I think some of this will be fun. I think it's a good idea because you don't want a violent sport to take place in an exhibition game where either, A, they're going to possibly get injured for no good reason, or, B, they're going to loaf around and – and basically two-hand touch for no right. good reason. So I understood the thought here. I saw the thought play out. Sometimes thoughts are great in your mind. <laughs> Sometimes you put them on paper and they just don't look as good. And I think we're just going to have to for- just can Pro Bowl weekend at this point. Um, for everything from guy, <laughs> again, no offense, but everything from like Tyler Huntley being a Pro Bowl quarterback yeah. and Derek Carr – to you know the three on three and 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 some of the games were fine some of them were whatever i just you know what and they won't they're not gonna it's money but take it down i don't care uh just 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 get just just i i mean i'm with you get rid of this uh name name the three best or two best at every position yeah and call call them a pro bowler and do nothing about it just call them a pro bowler like college does or like all yeah, NBA, all American, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have I mean, an all American they, team, but they don't yeah. have they don't play an all American football game against each other. Sure, and, and that and make the Pro Bowl vote a little different than just because they do an all NFL first team and second that's true. team, that's and that's, true. that's, that's Pro Football Writers Association, etc. So make it make the voting a little different. Add an extra spot or two or something if you have to, but just don't do what this has been yeah. the last i don't know how many years uh, it, at it, least the last seven so, so i saw somebody throw somebody threw this out there and uh they're like you know name your pro bowl team but if you're like dead set that you have to have a game take the two worst the teams toilet bowl. yeah take I the two that. worst teams let them play each other and the winner gets the first draft pick i just <laughs> i mean <laughs> You have to be good to get yeah, the worst pick, though. That, yeah, that in itself is. Just I just don't think the players would ever sign up. No, for that. Well, no, they, they would. would they, no, the players' yeah. association would shoot that down very Absolutely. quickly. It's like winning a Razzie Award. It's, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you don't yeah. really want to be there and do that for it. Um, but yeah, my worst of the weekend is just the attempt of the Pro Bowl, which is just I don't think savable at this point. All right, best of the weekend. Cam, we'll start with you this time. Um, my best of the weekend wasn't really sports related, honestly. I just enjoyed a really good, uh, good, nice weekend with my girlfriend. Hung out, and you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, we went to a really nice wedding. Uh, one of my friends got married this weekend. Enjoyed seeing her. Um, really happy, and she looked beautiful, and it was really nice. And um, just spending some time with my lady, and um, and yeah, I mean, just had a good, good overall. A uh, restful weekend, and um, yeah, I got, got to work out and just took a walk. Yesterday was a really nice day. Um, took a walk out around Auburn, um, so it was just really nice. So yeah, that that that's really my best of the weekend, honestly. All right, Tom. Oh man, 
I'll have to go non-sports because, I mean, there was some good stuff around the sports, but uh, Auburn, outside of the recruiting victories, it was not a very good week. Um, You know, honestly, I I don't want to get into the politics on when they should have, when they shouldn't have, or this, that, and the other, but the whole Chinese balloon thing, shooting it down, to me, it was neat. I like watching the videos of that, and also it's kind of one of those things like the people that actually got a chance to witness that happen, that's something you don't get to see every day when, when the u.s does their training their their aerial training and, and shooting missiles and everything it's way out in the desert around area 51 and out in the you know the super mountainous isolated desert areas where nobody can actually see that but i mean there's a lot of people there on the coast of south carolina that had their f- cameras out and were filming an f-22 fiery missile into a chinese balloon and and knock it down it's just something you don't see every day I mean that was that was incredible to watch that. I, I wish I had you know been able to see that in person just because, like I said, that's something you don't get to see. Yeah, and so it was neat. Um, yeah, get to safely observe a uh, sure a, an operation like that. Yeah, and then I mean I like that type of stuff because I'm just you know I'm a military nut and I, sure. I love that type of stuff. And like I said, seeing the video of the contrails of the jet and then you see the contrail of the missile leaving, and I'm like, oh, that's just freaking cool <laughs> uh so my best of the weekend i'm gonna have to go with uh two two parter here uh first gonna go uh personal with uh, going to brooks's uh, bachelor trip there in knoxville i uh, had a really good time with um with everyone there i know the game result uh, did not play out the way we wanted it to uh, but still, appreciated getting to go to one of the biggest basketball arenas in college basketball, uh, and, and seeing Thompson Bowling Arena, and, and spending the the weekend with Brooks there and and everything. That was a, a, a lot of fun. Um, and and Nash, or excuse me, not National Knoxville, uh, was uh, really impressive. I had a good time there. Uh, good place you can walk around, honestly, and it not be overwhelming or. You don't feel unsafe or anything like that, and uh, really, really enjoyed being in Knoxville. And then, uh, sports-wise, I would have to say uh, the the clash at the Coliseum again. Uh, second year that they've done that uh, with NASCAR's exhibition race, and uh, I, I think they've done a good job of trying to branch out in the right ways. I I, I think that they are. Um, doing pretty good at, at the sport, trying to grow um, somewhat organically, but also with, with some aid, with some actual marketing. And they'd gone some tracks that didn't work out, and they, they worried more about the locations of the tracks and not if the tracks were actually good themselves. Right. And now I think they're starting to realize it's the track, not the location that's really important to it. And so they're going to do the Chicago Street Course later this year. And this L.A. Coliseum event uh, these last few years has been a lot of fun. Yeah. I'll tell you this. I think NASCAR, as you would expect, you know, was kind of catching some backlash, I guess, from their old school fans because we all know what the old school NASCAR fans are. I mean, it's it's a very southern, white-rooted sport. And so then all of a sudden when you have the likes of, you know, Wiz Khalifa up there, a lot of your old school NASCAR fans are like, what in the world's going on? 
my NASCAR is not NASCAR anymore. He got that Wiz Coffla guy up there, <laughs> dead gummit. It's like, yeah, well, you know, y'all have country concerts at the, at the ones, you know, at, at Talladega. You'll have your country artist do his thing, and it's it's okay to branch out to other things. I mean, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a redneck sport. Sure. It, it can be something that is widely. Uh, you know watched and widely enjoyed it does not have to be something that is strictly only enjoyed in the southeast but that's how it's always been i mean that's how you know when the guys like jeff gordon would come around that's why every, that's why people hated jeff gordon so much because he was a yankee boy coming down here and racing nascar <laughs> you can't have these yankee boys running nascar i hate jeff gordon <laughs> Well, I feel like they hated him because they rivaled Earnhardt. Just well, it, Earnhardt. well, no, it was that, but he was Yankee boy coming down here and trying to run with the with the good old boys. Sure. <laughs> Same thing with these guys out in California that come in. Well, no, no, California guy coming out here and running with it. No, you know this yeah. is this is chewing tobacco and drinking Budweiser and riding NASCAR Earnhardt. Right. And no, yeah, but, but I, I get it. They're, you know, they, NASCAR is expanding. They've been trying to expand into a lot of different markets. And when you're in Los Angeles, that's the market you're trying to go to. Because last time I checked, there's not a whole lot of hillbilly rednecks in Los Angeles. Right. If you're going to run in Los Angeles, that's who you need to try to get to come to the track and watch that. And out there, it's going to be Wiz Khalifa. It's going to be some of these other artists that are not necessarily big, you know, in the southeast, uh, at least among, you know, the old white crowd. It, there's nothing wrong with expanding it. It's fine. Let's uh, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line one more time before the close of the show today. Next stop on the program, we've got Shane from Auburn. Shane, how are you doing? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. How are y'all doing? Doing well. Doing awesome. Uh, I, um, I am. Uh, I don't like that phone hung up. Shane, you there? Yeah, I do, I do not. We lost him. Uh, Shane, give us a call back real quickly if you can't. Or is he there? No, now he's definitely not there. Yeah. Uh, Shane, give us a call back. I have something with the connection there uh, real quickly. But, uh, yeah, no, to your point, I was just going to say that uh, I, I think that the sport um, is kind of mimicking. This is what it reminds me of. It's a far less watched sport than this but what the nfl does with the super bowl they make it event not just football lovers watch the super bowl no it they have an impressive halftime show they have commercials that everyone talks about the water cooler the next day if you still go into work uh uh, that, that you that you talk about the next day it's an event there's not a hundred plus million people that all are passionate about football. A lot of them love football, but there's also more people that watch it, watch that game for other reasons. When you're talking about this NASCAR event, you had a Wiz Khalifa concert. You had another concert, I, I believe, before the race. I forget who it was. Okay, you've done it in this really historic venue for sports that is not accustomed to being a racetrack. It is sure. a football field. It's the Coliseum. It's a place to be in los angeles you're trying to grow it in a way uh that is not all about the racing it's like here let's do some other things let's give you a different another reason to come out here you come out here and watch the reason you think you want to be out here but while you're watching that we're going to put on a little race for you and we're going to try and and get you to like this race too it's kind of it's marketing honestly it's a different kind of marketing you're trying to hit a different demographic exactly and so i applaud that because they have done 
some boring tracks in big cities for a long time, and they're finally going to, all right, let's make it an event, not just the race. Let's give more people a reason to go out here. And uh, that is why I think the sport, for the first time in the, la- for the, la- in the last couple of years since, since COVID, uh, this sport is actually growing for the first time in, that it has in about two sure. decades. And I, that's why it's my best of the weekend is I appreciate the ways that they're now marketing the yeah. sport. Well, I mean, NASCAR had really started to fall off because, I mean, it really kind of hit a peak uh, when you had – when you kind of had those rivals, when you had the Jeff, you had the Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt Jr., um, you know, even Tony Stewart, you know, yeah. and, and when you had these guys, it was very, very popular, and and especially with a guy like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and even Jeff Gordon, um, and I'll, I'll, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess those two were like the the main, just that rivalry. Um, and it was great. Well, once those guys retired, it felt like nobody really latched on to these the the new age drivers that were coming along. You know, even a guy like Chase Elliott, for as many people as love Bill Elliott, yeah, there were fans that were liking him because he's Bill's son, but he just didn't really feel like just full latching on. And then, you know, I mean, there's just so much turnover with all these different drivers coming in. It felt like nobody was just latching on to their driver. And therefore, the viewership started kind of waning, and then you could definitely look in the seats. Yeah, I mean, at at a Talladega that used to be just slam packed in Talladega, you could watch a race with them going around, and there were whole sections of the super speedway thousands that had of seats, and nobody yeah. sitting in there. And NASCAR had to figure out something. We got to figure out some way that we can start generating butts back in the seats, uh, excitement back for the product. You know, more excitement on the TV product. The way that you do that is you start doing things different. Let's lay down some dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway and let them run on the dirt because that might be fun. It's different. It's not just the same thing over and over again. Let's go out to Los Angeles and put a track in the Coliseum and run it in the Coliseum on the shortest track that you could possibly imagine. Let's do that. And let's bring Wiz Khalifa and let's bring these guys – to get that demographic, that different demographic. I mean, when when you're struggling, whether it be a business or anything, you have to do something different if the same old thing is not working. And there, for a good bit, what was happening with NASCAR was not working, and they were failing miserably. And so now you've, you're finding these ways to grow it and 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 reach different audiences. Final minute of the show. Time for a nightly TV guy to wrap us up. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Men's College Basketball, 6 o'clock. Duke plays Miami, 19th ranked Miami at 7 o'clock. Actually got a lot of, or 6 o'clock, excuse me, Wheeler and Newton High School Basketball. And then got a lot of movies tonight. The Proposal at 6.30 on Freeform. You've got the Grand Budapest Hotel, 7 o'clock on Max, and then Finding Dory, 7 o'clock on Disney. So college basketball, I guess you got to watch Duke tonight, and you'll probably need to root for Miami in that one. That's just my uh, recommendation. Uh, <laughs> your non-biased opinion. A, a non-biased opinion, right? Well, they, they kind of knocked off your Tar Heels, though, didn't they? Yeah, they did at home. Yeah. We'll see what happens in Chapel Hill. And they also lost in the Final Four in Coach K's last game, so <laughs> they can do that They can do that 20, they can do that 20 times in Durham, and it's not going to uh, make up for yeah. what happened last year. Uh, Tom, appreciate you being here. See you tomorrow. I'll be here. And uh, Cam, appreciate you being here. We'll see you, see you later in the week. Yes, sir. And uh, we want to thank all those who tuned in and called in 
as always, for Canberry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.